0: Huh. Yes.
1: I love the name by the uh, way. Thank you. I've never seen the name before.
0: Um, yeah, it's it's German, but my parents, I guess well, not my parents, actually the nuns in Catholic school anglicized the spelling. Oh,
1: okay. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it.
0: <laughs> well,
1: I it's kind of perfect. I just saw the story and I wanted to get your opinion on it. I uh saw I don't know all the details. This is I'm kind of acting like a headline reader here, but there's something like there's a wastewater treatment plant in Deer Park that's going to house some of the, uh, I guess some of the hazardous material from the train wreck in East Palestine. Ooh, have you heard? Have you? I seen wasn't it?
0: aware of that. No, no really? Am <laughs> that's I alarming,
1: Annalisa? Do I? Am I on the front end
0: more than you here? Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. We, well, you know, we did have. I, I had a briefing this morning, and it was about. I know the legislature, there's some legislation about uh, the waste repositories, but I was assuming it was nuclear waste mm. because that's been such a big issue. Yeah. Is there, now I'll have to look into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I saw it at. I saw it
1: at one of the, maybe it was like the statesman or Austin American statesman or something mm. like that. Is there any concern? And b- before they were bringing, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but any concern with that material? making its way to texas uh
0: yeah of course we don't want texas to become like some repository for all sorts of uh waste i mean and that's where there's people who have been fighting you know the expansion of of these uh nuclear waste facilities it's it's not something that we want texas to be uh known for especially because Texas is growing so rapidly, and you know we saw with what happened uh, uh, recently. Uh, you know when you're going through and uh, transporting these wastes in populated areas, uh, there's always uh, uh, the potential for a catastrophe. Uh, Texas also, um, we are we are not uh, probably not the best in the nation at regulating uh uh hazardous materials and all and I guess you remember what happened in West Texas where uh, a big uh fertilizer facility blew up oh. several years ago yeah yeah so and it well, luckily it was in the evening so but it was right by a school so so the potential for hazard is uh and for frankly catastrophes is only going to increase, you know as as the state gets more densely populated. which is you know the forecasts but but frankly you know what we're dealing with a lot uh, i think our our most immediate threat uh that needs to be addressed is something where it's not catastrophic it's incremental and we're talking about uh uh, non-point source pollution in stormwater. that's probably about the the biggest threat to our surface and groundwater supplies uh here in the state yeah.
1: So for folks that don't know, can you let uh let everyone know where you work and, and who
0: you're representing? Oh sure, sure. Yeah. Uh I I'm uh the executive director of the Greater Edwards Aquifer Alliance. We uh our service area is twenty-one counties in central Texas, and uh, that's because our core mission is to protect the Edwards and Trinity aquifers and they're amazing groundwater supplies but they're incredibly vulnerable to pollution because they're karst groundwater supplies so uh, uh infiltrating polluted stormwater goes directly into the aquifer uh so we you know but but we uh so the whole watersheds within those regions is what we deal with the streams the springs and th- our region is uh the location of the largest springs in texas you know that are coming mostly from the edwards aquifer so we have we're uh, an alliance of 55 member organizations within those 21 counties wow and yeah so uh we advocate for clean water and so that probably i mean i was thinking of people who are thinking of threats to water because there are so many threats right now uh, like with orphan wells from fracking or this and that and they're going what's you talking about stormwater?" <laughs> but but in our region the 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 uh, prospect of of uh, diminishing water quality from stormwater is
1: a serious one. Oh, absolutely! And I, what prompted this conversation, Annalisa, is uh, an article that I saw from the Texas Tribune, uh, highlighting uh, an informal investigation being performed by the EPA on the TCEQ. And just a few months ago, I had the chance, the privilege, to speak to. Uh, Oh man, I forgot his name. Anthony D'Souza. He's with the Houston air Alliance and he Uh was, and he was talking about the TCEQ and kind of how there's so much work to be done and they don't, it's almost like they don't have the manpower to keep up with everything. Is that kind of what you're seeing too?
0: I would totally agree with that. And right now, actually, this is a really opportune time to have this conversation because, um, the legislature reviews, uh, each state agency on a schedule and we're a little bit behind because of covid but um uh, the tcq is up for sunset review uh this session of the legislature so it's a great opportunity to try to get these reforms and also you know we we submitted comments and i think a lot of the environmental groups submitted comments saying uh the the tcq's budget does need to be increased uh they need uh to actually update all their information systems because, for example, if we want to look at a permit application, we have to go to a library (laughs) and and actually get the physical copy and make Xerox copies and bring it back. (laughs) That's crazy in this day and age. And so we're asking for more money to be allocated to that agency to bring them into the 21st century and to hire enough people to – actually do the job that they're charged with doing Um, we filed that petition because we didn't feel like our state agency the tcq was actually adequately enforcing uh, the federal clean air and clean water acts Mm. but like i said with this sunset commission i think having these two things happen simultaneously, like having the EPA looking into our charges and having the opportunity to fix these deficiencies within TCQ through the sunset process. Uh, it's kind of like a perfect storm for good, maybe. Mm. Can you talk about what this
1: sunset commission is? I don't. I'm not familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, so
0: it it is. I think there's three legislators on there they have a big staff what they do is they rotate the agency so every 10 years Every state agency comes under sunset review, which means that they look at the agency, how they're performing, what duties are they doing, are they actually fulfilling their function? And then they have the opportunity to say, look, we don't need this agency anymore, so we're just going to sunset it. It's going to disappear. So it's... um, I think it's a really responsible process, unfortunately, and so we're, you know, there are other agencies like the the Texas Water Development Board was under sunset review this time too. So we participate in, it's the opportunity for all of us who rely on these agencies to protect us to be able to look and, and, uh, uh, Comment, you know, in person. They have hearings and also uh, uh, submit written comments on how these agencies are performing and what recommendations we would make to have them perform better. Has there ever been
1: any informal investigations like this one before in the past? Oh,
0: you mean with the EPA?
1: Yeah, with the EPA leading an informal investigation on the TCEQ.
0: Not to my knowledge on TCQ, but I might be wrong on that. I'd, okay. I'd have to ask our lawyers. I know that they've had uh, investigations of, of other agencies that, you know, aren't living up to uh, their regulations. Yeah. So there there is precedent.
1: Okay. I'm, you know, to be fully transparent, I'm a glass is half empty kind of guy. And I almost see this as just like a rubber stamp exercise from the outside looking in like just so they can appease voters or the public they're going to say they're in doing this investigation are you a little bit more confident than that are you uh hopeful for some change to actually come
0: of this i am it's it's up to us now uh the Aquifer Alliance 11 years ago, we went through the same process with TCQ. We had, we worked with others and had uh, public meetings across the state, just as we did this time, so that uh, people who were dissatisfied with the performance of the TCQ could come and voice their concerns. A lot of those were reflected in the staff report. So there's a there's a sunset staff and they publish a report and uh their recommendations of what needs to be addressed. This time a lot of that stuff did make it into uh uh the the staff report that was submitted to the legislators. But you know it it's um I mean it it's a little frustrating because there was uh, a hearing held at the Capitol where the the legislators who were on that Sunset Committee uh, were hearing people's comments and any anybody had the chance to come and comment. Uh, there were, I think, three busloads of people from Houston and that Houston airline. I mean, people are very upset because they're they're suffering from uh, bad air quality, and uh, it it was kind of disheartening because uh one of the uh legislators who was on that uh, committee actually said i don't understand what y'all are talking about with environmental racism and we're just like what Hmm. yeah (laughs) so it's like maybe they have a long way to go in in actually understanding these issues but we do have this opportunity and so um i know uh we work uh, GIA uh, works with the Alliance for a Clean Texas. And we were talking today about having a lobby day. So we would invite citizens to go around and visit their legislators, uh, legislators, because these issues will be coming up and the legislators will have a chance to vote on it. How, how much support
1: from the local politicians or from state politicians are you getting? Is it pretty nonpartisan or do you get And I don't know how much you can talk about this, but do you get support from both sides of the aisle or is it kind of one sided right now?
0: Well, we, you know, with our membership in the Aquifer Alliance, because the region we serve, we're, we're very much on both sides of the aisle. We have like, I would say probably we have, uh, more members who are Republican just because that reflects the demographics of our region. Um, uh, so we, you know, as far as the legislators go, it's it's a little frustrating, and I'm just going to be very frank here. Um, we know that Texans, like the vast majority of Texans, want to see their natural resources protected. You know, air, clean air, clean water, uh, plenty of parklands. You know, all that all mm-hmm. that type. Uh, but. Frankly, a lot of times they're voting for people who uh, don't like regulation. Yeah. And Texas flags, brags on that. I mean, that's the Texas miracle. You know, we don't have a lot of rules. And so there there's definitely a disconnect, I think, when it comes to uh, what the individual's person wants versus, um, you know, how those desires are reflected uh, in their, uh, you know, in the actions of their elected officials.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm just looking into environmental issues more lately, but it seems like my news for me personally is being curated and I'm seeing everything as it relates to PFAS and our water, toxic chemicals. I mean, just it seems like a lot more people are talking about it these days. So that's kind of what has me hopeful is, is, um, you know, you see a lot of podcasters talking about it. You see random social media influencers talking about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's being talked about it more and, and maybe that's going to kind of drive the change we need. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I I agree. And you know, uh, it is, uh, a lot in the news and I think, Climate change has, of course, elevated everything and given it more, more immediacy. But what I've seen, because um, the Greater edwards for Alliance, we've been around since 2004. So uh, I've seen, because I, I regularly during the legislative session, I will say like, oh, this bill is going to be voted on and we really need your support. Can you contact your legislators or this bill? is just awful you know contact them and tell them <laughs> about no people really respond and so i'm i'm seeing if people are are like provided with you know a, a means of making their voice heard they are responding and we know from the legislative staffers we talk to that that when they do respond it's it's noted hmm. i mean so they say like you know, one letter to your legislator is worth like, you know, a thousand votes or something. Right. I mean, so, so I think, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, really just need everybody to kind of pitch in this legislative session. It only happens every two years and it only goes on from January to mid May. Hmm. So, uh, it's not like you have to on top of it forever or whatever. But during this little uh, period of time, uh, if you're interested in these environmental issues, yes, you do have the opportunity to make a difference. You can sign up for uh, legislative alerts uh, on the Greater Edwards Aquifer Alliance website. You can also sign up. We just deal mainly with water issues but there's the alliance for clean texas and and you can go to their website and sign up for uh legislative alerts that have to do with uh, air quality energy clean energy and there's a lot of, of uh, legislation going on on those topics this session hmm. so yep. um you know it's kind of like you said curated i mean uh you know to to sift through and say okay be, this is where your voice can really make a difference you know definitely in in
1: regards to what some of this investigation by the epa uh is is leading what's kind of the top five or t- the biggest things that you're hoping to come from it what's in regards to t- texans water what what are the the biggest fears i guess uh
0: you know for one in the 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 TCEQ is charged, and this is true of both air and water, of assessing the cumulative impact. So, okay, somebody applies for a permit, uh, the kind that we, we deal with a lot. It, okay, they want to build a sewage treatment plant. They want to discharge that wastewater. It's treated wastewater into a nearby stream or river. Um, so when they send that, when the applicant puts in for a permit, to build that plant and discharge that wastewater, um, uh, which is actually supposed to comply with the Clean Water Act, uh, then they should be looking at how many other wastewater plants are there there already Mm. in that area that are going into that same waterway, the same way with air. We see like um, uh, around uh, the hill country because those are uh, limestone aquifers uh areas where there's just so much ag- uh, activity of uh, uh, cement and aggregate, which is putting so much particulate matter into the air. But when they consider those permits at TCQ, they don't look at the cumulative impacts of all those operations that are within that area. They just look at that one that one plant by itself. So one of the main things that we would like to see, and I think everybody would like to see, is that they make some effort to assess what are the cumulative impacts on a given community from all these operations, not just this one.
1: Hmm. I read something too that some of the onus of getting some of this data of what the environmental impact on like a community uh, it has to be provided by the community and not really by the, the organization or the company. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah. It's very frustrating because um, it was not last legislative session, but I think maybe the one before it, but they, they changed, uh, they have a process it's we can contest a permit so we can go in and say we don't think that you should issue this permit because we don't think that it's safe for the environment Hmm. um the way they uh they really um uh, put a lot of changes into that process so it leaves the burden of proof of us Who are contesting the permit to provide all the information, which is hiring expert witnesses and providing all that, rather than saying to the applicant, like, you need to prove to us that this is safe. And that's one of the things that we'd like to see change. Uh, That seems so half
1: backass backwards to me. (laughs) It doesn't
0: make any sense. And one of the things that we'd like to see change, too, is that the way the process works is, say, we don't like a permit. We typically will um, ask for a public meeting so that the permit can be discussed. Those public meetings occur after the TCEQ staff has already approved the permit, (laughs) which doesn't make sense. (laughs) We would like to see the public meeting happen before the permit was approved so that Maybe TCQ staff could say, "Hey, these are genuine concerns, and work with the applicant to address those concerns."
1: I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but of the permits that have been contested, I don't know in the last couple of years, have what's the percentage of them that get rejected versus the percentage that get approved?
0: You know, I don't, I don't have figures on that. I can tell you from our own experience, we have. Uh, contested, oh, probably about fifty or sixty permit applications. the uh, The most common outcome is that we negotiate a settlement with the applicant. Hmm. So we actually meet with the applicant. We we say this is what we want out of this. You have to agree to this in writing, and uh, and so we get our concerns addressed that way. So TCQ is not really, I mean, involved in that. We've had uh, some cases, very disappointingly, uh, uh, that uh, the the judge in the it's the state office of administrative uh, hearings, the judge will say that the permit should be denied, but then. Uh, it has that denial has to be approved by the TCQ commissioners. Now, there's only three commissioners and they are appointed by the governor. So, we've had, I guess, about four or five instances where the administrative law judge recommended to deny the permit, but the, the TCQ commissioners went ahead and overruled that and approved the permits anyway, which is very disappointing. We have uh, one group that's appealing right now uh that uh you know permit approval by the TCQ. So you we had one very important case and there was one seat vacant on the commission. So it was just two people who actually approved a permit that had gone through this whole process mm. and was impacting literally hundreds and hundreds of people in the area, you know. So yeah, there's there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, people have floated the ideas of actually having those TCQ commissioners elected rather than appointed, maybe as a method of making them more responsive. Um, uh, but we just we we do think, like I said, through this sunset process, uh, and, and through bringing it to the attention of the EPA, we do have an opportunity to make this process uh, more fair to Texans and, and more protective of the rights of Texans to have clean air and water.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I know you're more focused on water. How concerned are you with uh, plastic pellets or plastic nurdles?
0: well in water. that's pretty awful i mean the the evidence that's coming out is that they're everywhere yeah. uh yeah so uh and in uh including in wastewater so yeah that's it, that's a shared concern and we're really glad that uh the epa is if they seem to be uh taking some concrete steps to addressing that i've been getting a lot of like here's a uh, opportunity to comment on these rule changes and things like that. So it seems like the federal government is is actually paying attention to that. And then another area of concern that we have, um, and it's similar to the PIPAS, is that emerging contaminants or anthropogenic contaminants or some kind—they're of called personal care oh. products. So um, because typically those are not removed by most wastewater treatments and so those are going into the environments as well and so we're seeing things like um you know uh, uh endocrine disruptors uh changing the sex of fish and yeah. uh, you know the benthic populations and all so yeah there so we're we're seeing like yeah the it it only makes sense that the more people you have and, and, you know, people with all our modern conveniences and ways of living and all the, the greater impact you're going to have on the environment. So we're glad to see that those things are being addressed.
1: Yeah. You mentioned changing or the chemicals impacting fish. I talked to this one researcher out of Florida and he was studying fish and talking about how the wastewater treatment plants can't stop uh, medication like the chemicals from medication and they were finding absurd amounts. Like the levels were insane of these fish that had, uh, anxiety or depression medications, uh, Mm -hmm. like twice the level of, uh, like that, what would be the recommended dose for a human in these fish. So I imagine we're seeing something similar like that in Texas too.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and unfortunately, like we looked at, um, you know testing that had been done at uh the the edwards aquifer springs so this is water that's coming from the aquifer it's not running over land it's coming from underground you know it's always been this really really high quality water supply and it still is but what we're seeing is uh you know, blood pressure medication, uh, aspirin, nicotine, you know, I mean, you name it, anything that people take and is not metabolized by their body and goes into the wastewater stream is showing up in these streams, uh, in these springs. And so we say, well, yeah, so uh, we are having an impact. Now, it's not a real severe impact, but it's it's a cause of concern because we know that wastewater is diminishing the quality of those groundwater supplies.
1: Yeah. With all the people moving into Central Texas, is there a concern with these aquifers to run dry? Is that even possible?
0: You know, it's uh, the Edwards Aquifer. uh, We uh, all participated in a, a lengthy process. It was like four years to set quantities of water that could be withdrawn from the edwards they have to be limited so the springs still keep flowing mm. so with the edwards aquifer it's not as much a concern with the trinity aquifer it is a huge concern because that's uh that aquifer doesn't recharge as quickly as the edwards um and uh, people are withdrawing amounts that are unsustainable yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, you have the prospect of those uh, groundwater supplies in the Trinity Aquifer being depleted. And there are groundwater districts that try to deal with that, but it's kind of a moving target. It's really hard to assess how much is actually being withdrawn because you have individual well owners and and so of course the more straws that you put in there you know uh the <laughs> yeah. more is being pumped out and it's hard for them to get a handle on it.
1: Yeah, I have my brother lives in uh in Dripping Springs and last year uh where he lives at it, it he went dry for a, yeah. a period of time. And there's just so many people moving out there and like you said just dipping their straw in there and you know, everyone has a garden now. COVID made people do more gardens. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of wasted water doing that. So, yeah, it seems like a, like an, un that uh, the, the future is not real clear when it comes to that, like living in Central Texas.
0: It's, it's a huge concern. I mean, the growth uh, has, has been the main challenge that we deal with in our organization, frankly, is trying to mitigate the impacts of this huge amount of growth. And and seriously, uh Comal County and Kendall County, which are both contiguous to Bear County San Antonio, um, they're they're uh I think the first and second fastest growing in the nation. Wow. I mean, this, this is like so you know, we're we're busier than we ever have been, you know, yeah. and, and we've always been busy. But yeah, so uh it's, it's a little frustrating because we feel like we wouldn't have to be, um, I mean, if Texas would enforce adequate regulations, then there's a problem too. And this is a huge problem that I'd like to bring up is that Texas does not allow counties to regulate land use. So a county cannot say like, Um, Oh, you have to have large lots or you have to set aside this much land for a park, things like that. And so the growth that's going on in the unincorporated areas is is just pretty much a free for all. You can't even say like, oh, you can't build this uh, industrial plant next to a school. Mm. I mean, you can't even say incompatible land uses. And so. We, we feel like uh, we would really, really like to see these these counties empowered uh, to direct their own destiny and and to uh, govern growth in a way that's civilized, at least civilized, you know, and protective of our natural resources.
1: Yeah, that seem, it's like a double-edged sword because I know, you know, local cities, they want the growth and they want to bring, you know, prosperity to their cities, but... What's the the cost of it? You know, Dripping Springs was where I grew up, in and there used to be like a defining line between Dripping Springs and Austin. When you said you were going to Austin, it meant like you were you had to leave Dripping for a, right. like there was a, there was land between it, and right. now you drive through it, and it's just insane the amount of houses.
0: Oh yeah, it looks
1: like California with the rolling hills, and you have all those houses, and now Dripping Springs floods.
0: What, and you need to get a I'm little glad, bit of
1: rain, you know what I mean? It's changing the landscape. I'm really
0: glad you brought that up because that that is one of the problems that we're working on. There, The state right now has uh, regional flood planning groups, and, and it's smart. They did it by watershed. So they convened, and like I serve on one of those up for the Guadalupe watershed. Uh, but but trying to get a handle on the flooding, and and the fact of the matter is, especially in these karst areas, when you pave over those karst areas, the the water cannot go underground and replenish the groundwater, and so it ends up running off and flooding. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is. At least within the watersheds in Gia's service area, is that, you know, these watersheds go from the hill country to the coast. Hmm. And you see that um, income levels of of the uh, citizens of these areas tend to decline as they get further to the coast. So you have the wealthier areas up here in the hill country and then the cities. And then as you go down towards the coast, you get lower income areas. Well, those poor low income folks are getting the worst impacts from the flooding because the flooding starts at the top of the watershed and then it just picks up speed all the way down. And so. Um, you know, really like to see uh, the state. I think they're making a, a good start at trying to address this, and I love the fact that they did it by watersheds so that these could be addressed in a comprehensive manner. Um, what needs to happen now is to make sure that the legislature appropriates enough money so that uh, projects and and uh you know all the different best management practices can be employed so that we actually you know uh, what we advocate is uh uh, green infrastructure that slows that water down and makes it soak into the ground and replenish our aquifers. That makes sense, and it's a lot more cost effective too than like building dams all over the place. <laughs> is there any other state
1: that's experiencing growth like Texas is? Like, can we learn from other states uh, from generations before?
0: Well, yeah, I'm 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 trying to think right offhand because I know that we're we're not the only one. Uh, and and I think there's a lot of, uh, I'm more familiar with, with Texas, you know, mm-hmm. and what we're doing here. Now, I would say for a lot of our issues, and this wasn't really based on growth, it was based on, you know, uh, concern for protecting a water body. But I think some of the most progressive Uh, implementation of green infrastructure has been done in the chesapeake bay area Mm. and that was because that bay was so polluted that they needed to you know uh really get to work and try to you know
1: clean that up i think the hot ticket annalisa is moving to tennessee (laughs) tennessee huh? yeah it seems like you know everyone i think that's going to be like the next texas i know a lot of uh i don't know just personally friends and family that have left texas to move to tennessee because it's kind of like the next texas for texans Interesting.
0: Uh. you know and i think about it like because uh, i personally you know it, my experience bears out that a lot of californians are moving to texas yeah. and a lot of the californians i've met who have moved here um Uh, lived in that area that you know was impacted by the wildfires and Mm. they just and so with climate change I think we're going to have to seriously look at large migrations of people from a place that's unsafe to a place that's safe and if you look at Texas um, we're, we're probably I mean we're not really prone to earthquakes we're you know we've we've got a lot going for us so it It could be, you know, a major uh, uh, economic boost to Texas, and it certainly is already a population boost to Texas. So uh, it becomes incumbent on us to do everything that we can to try to absorb this population growth while still maintaining the quality of life that we have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. That's going
0: to take regulation.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you balance. There's so much... Nuance, you know you you bought up environmental racism and i'm starting to see that that more and more and the people that were once living in austin like a lot of people unless they just purely have no way to go but if people have a choice they left austin and the people that live in austin aren't originally from austin they've gone out to other you know out towards more west texas you know south texas and or they just left the state (laughs) so it's like it's like I don't, I don't know what it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's getting more expensive, and the it seems like the quality of life is also reducing as it gets more expensive.
0: Yeah, and I I think a factor is basically Texans are smart, but I think the state government has. Limited local control, and they're and they're actually a trend to even limit it more. And so, if if you have like Texans, if they elect their county commissioners. These are smart people, but the state is really selfish with the power. They do not want to give them the authority that they need to to uh, govern their own areas. And a lot of it is because you have. Uh, you have these large industries like the building industry. There's all sorts of industries. They say, well, we don't want to go and have to go and have uh, different regulations for each county. We just want one template that's statewide and that's all we have to deal with. And and I think that's uh, frankly uh, really depriving uh, Texans of, uh, you know, the, the ability to to intelligently govern their own communities yeah, and we like i said we have smart people here they they know what they want to do you know they're just not allowed to
1: yeah does your organization work or collaborate with other organizations outside of texas i know we're only you know focused on on texas water but do y'all collaborate with other organizations outside of the state
0: yeah um i'm on one committee uh that is uh, convened by the EPA. We meet twice a year, and that's actually to address non-point source pollution. Hmm. And so, and we had also worked with the uh, the EPA through their urban waters uh, projects in the past. So, uh, and we do comment, but we we actually concentrate more of our efforts on state and local. Yeah,
1: yeah, with good reason. It's a lot to take care of. What are some of the Uh, I guess the the, the heavy hitters, this legislative session that the public would would it would benefit them to support,
0: you know, and and this is not water issues, but we still haven't fixed the grid. Yeah, and you know you know what's funny <laughs> and i don't know about you but my electricity bill has doubled yeah so i i would say everybody needs to follow that i mean that's that's going to be the one that has the most impact on on your health and safety and pocketbook you know coming to session uh one of the things that we're really concerned about is this whole issue of uh, what they call produced water which is water that comes from the fracking process mm. uh they're talking about reusing that uh, uh as a water supply source that's something that people really want to look at carefully you know to make sure that it's regulated in the way that is safe uh, and uh let's see for I think uh just because everybody in the world should be, trying to address climate change. I've seen bills that are actually have been filed that seem to be intentionally targeted at reducing uh, uh, implementation of solar, wind and like that. And Mm. so people really need to... um, maybe keep an eye on uh, uh, what the state can do. There's some good bills too. There's some bills that say Texas needs to get on board and effectively address climate change. And it's not like you have to know every bill number or or anything like that. You can call your legislator's office and say, look, I'm really concerned about climate change and I want you to do everything that you can to support it Uh, because uh, yeah, I mean, you have your special interest groups and they're very active in Texas and not always to the benefit of Texas. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: You know? In regards to the power grid, is there anyone knowledgeable or credible on the topic uh, that would like to do a podcast? I've reached out to yeah. a number of people and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. The Ooh, experts, know. you know?
0: I I think the... The ones that I've seen are uh, that are is public citizen and Sierra club.
1: Oh, okay. No, I haven't reached out to them.
0: Yeah. They're that's who I'm getting my information from about it. And like I said, this is just me as a citizen because no. my organization doesn't really deal with the power grid, but uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a lot. So, uh, you know, off air, I can email you Okay. some okay. folks, but, okay. but yeah, I think uh, public citizen of, uh, And and Sierra Club have both been very active and really, really smart about doing the research on how this is going to impact Texans.
1: You know, and I think that's another topic or another area where the growth of Texas is is impacted. Like our power can't keep up with all the people moving in, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, you know, yeah, there there's like that's a whole ball of wax. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm not a power expert or anything, but it seems like there's some correlation there. when I was a kid, I don't remember losing power as much.
0: That's right.
1: Um, Well, Annalisa, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy and I think these are important conversations to have. Um, How can people follow y'all on social media? How can they get involved?
0: Yeah, we have a Greater Edwards Aquifer Alliance Facebook page we have two actually one's just called greater edwards aquifer and one's called greater edwards aquifer alliance so they can go on those and then we have um you can go to our web page which was aquiferalliance.org and um you can sign up for uh, news bulletins and so we send out news bulletins uh you know about issues uh, you can become an individual member to support our organization. And that's also on the website on how to do that. And if you are part of a group that's within our 21 counties, which you would see on our website, uh, you're welcome to join the Alliance as a member group. Mm. Okay. So that we work to support uh the agendas of our member groups you know uh especially where it comes to water issues
1: okay yeah i'll look that up on the website and then i'll also paste that in the in the podcast notes that way people oh, can you. have a quick reference to that because that's oh, that's pretty cool awesome well annalisa i know you're busy i'll get i'll get out of your hair i <laughs> oh, i appreciate thanks. your time thank you so much enjoyed it have a good one bye-bye you
0: too bye